Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Instagram introduces enhanced hacks, which should make it easier for professional accounts and influencers to receive credit for their work. Apple announces the M1 Ultra, the new Mac Studio, and the 5K Mac Studio display, and they all sound kind of awesome. And we interview Gary Janus, pharmaceutical consultant for viral vaccines and advanced therapeutic medicines for Sequoia Consulting Group, where we discuss the COVID vaccine and try to dispel some of the misinformation. We've got all this and more in episode 26 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Steph. And out of the suburbs of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Pray for Kanye, because that brother's <laughs> going through it. Man. <laughs> um, and folk ain't going to be happy until it's something drastic that happens. It's a, it's a shame. We say that for the after show, but it's it's a shame to see what's him breaking down like real time. Take your medication, bro. Take your medication. Take it's, your medication. Yeah, take, take your medication. Um, Seriously. But uh, we're not going to dally around too long just because we got a guest coming on. But um, before I get to the tech store, I want to let everybody know how you can actually follow us and join us and all that kind of stuff in our live stream. So if you head over to thetechjohn.com forward slash Patreon, or if you head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John, either one of those will work. You can actually uh, become a supporter of the show. And one of the benefits to any level uh, for any supporter of the show you get, you get to actually watch us do our live stream and then hang out with us in our uh, after party after we get done recording the show. So I just wanted to put that out there for everybody. Um, you know, just one of the many ways that you're able to support totally the show. Totally worth it. Absolutely worth totally it. We got some OGs, uh, you know, because we got folks that have been holding it down with us for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, so Ray and Charles, they, they, they're our road dogs. They're with us almost every week when we actually do a live stream. So I'll give them a shout out. But y'all can come in and join us as well. And there are others as well that uh, pop in and out. Um, but like I said, we do have a guest coming on. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into the tech. And as I said, the first story we're going to talk about this week actually came out you know, a week ago today, we could have talked about it last week, but I actually wanted to play around with it, look at it, you know, you know, you know, get my feels on it and just kind of understand mm-hmm. it. So last week, Instagram announced that uh, it was going to introduce a special tag for professional accounts and influencers that ensures that they receive credit for their content. Um, and basically what they're doing is they're creating something called an enhanced tag. And it actually makes reference to marginalized and underrepresented uh, communities and creators, uh, you know, in their official blog post. So as I'm going through, you know, to make a long story short with this 
tag does, if you have a professional um, or pro account, you can actually create these tags that will ultimately give people who are, are working with you or that you may have pulled content from actual credit. Um, good thing. You know, so you know, the question is, will enhanced tags actually help creators? Uh, you know, um, if you have a business account, yeah, it probably will. Um, if you are tagging people, yeah, it probably will. Um, probably will like if you had a shovel, you probably would be more effective at digging the Grand Canyon as compared to doing <laughs> it by hand. Um, I don't want to be the one to poo poo this because it will help. Listen, but I don't know I that they address the, the problem. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if this actually is truly addressing the problem that underrepresented creators and marginalized communities are having on Instagram. Um, because tagging them was not the issue. It was the fact that they did something first and then someone else came behind them and did the same thing. And they would get the credit almost as though they were the originator. Um, and that isn't something that tagging is going to do unless you actually in your dance, well, I copied this dance from someone else. Let me tag them. You've actually got to do something to make that happen. Um, will that be better? Yeah, probably. Will it fix the issue? I'm not thinking that it will. So, uh, you know, like I said, I don't want to be the person to say, uh, you know, Instagram, you're not doing it, but listen, this ain't listen, necessarily listen. it. We, we, we can't, we can't just, you know, unilaterally poo poo. Cause number one, um, this, uh, initiative is spearheaded by two black women mm-hmm. on Instagram, Alexis Ejai and Cameron Boyd. So we got to shout them out. Um, and it is, uh, one of those, instances where representation really matters. I want to read um, a couple quotes out of the one article that uh, we use for this that just sort of speak to that. Um, Ajay, a Stanford University graduate, said the need for a formal credit was apparent and it just took the right set of eyes at Meta to see it. I think we were just so close to the need that we were able to see and we kind of had that same situation of like, why doesn't this exist? And then we went the next step of like, let's make it exist. So, you know, I, I, I can appreciate that they, that there are diverse voices in the room that are able to say, Hey, why isn't this a thing or what can we do to, to get better? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's fun. I think, I think I saw it cause I, I follow, um, Adam Masseri, um, one of the Instagram founders. And so he, he, he does a lot of, he does a lot of very interesting reels where he updates, um, you know, new functionality and features that come out to Instagram. So he's, he's a pretty decent person to follow, but you know, and I, and I thought about it then I was like, I mean, is this really going to make a difference? Um, and, and I don't know, you know, you have to tag the person at all for it to make a difference. And that's the main problem is that, you know, creators aren't being tagged in these instances where their, their original content is being used. So, um, this is one of those things where it's, it's only going to be useful if you use it. And, and I just don't know that they're, they're going to be able to get enough people to use it for it to actually be useful. That's, I mean, it's a great effort. Sisters keep going. You know what I mean? I think there's maybe a, a, a th- third or fourth version of this that, that ends up making more sense. But, um, right now, I don't, I don't know. Um, so, uh, I think it'll do a lot. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, is going to expose the idea or the reality that this is a societal issue. And what I mean by that is Instagram is going to roll out this new feature. 
that allows black creators and just creators in general, because, uh, what is it? How's the phrase go? A, uh, rising tide lifts all boats mm-hmm. to where all creators are going to be able to benefit from this to get a little bit of a attrib- attribution to their content. But the problem what's going to do is it's going to show that no matter what these social media platforms do, it is a societal issue to where there are other creators, there are other people that are going to benefit off the backs of others. What I mean by that is they're going to tag creators, uh, black uh, creators who have fallen victim to their content being copied or stolen or imitated or whatever you want to call it. That's always going to be built in. But the powers that be who want to highlight creators that are not black are going to do it anyway. And this is going to be like, okay, we built all this stuff. We went through all these efforts. We've put all this stuff in place. And these powers are going to be like, yeah, that's cool. But we still just want to highlight this certain group of people. And all that's going to do is just prove the point that this has been an issue. And it's a societal issue. It's not necessarily a social media, a built in issue. Honestly, um, and it's been an issue. Shout out to Jeliah Herman that invented the renegade dance and still ain't getting enough shine for it, um, or compensation, uh, for it on TikTok. Cause this is huge on TikTok. And, and I, and what I've seen on TikTok is white creators have a tendency to say, they'll even put in their caption, well, tag whoever created this. Cause I, I just saw it whenever and I don't know who the cre- tag whoever created, you know, they try to put the, the onus back on everybody else to, to track down who originated it. I'm like, you, you could have did a little research and found out, but what I think what might actually work, um, we got all this AI that, that can do everything else, like recognize our faces and, and everything mm-hmm. else. I'm like, you don't have no AI that can't go, go back step. through the, through the mm-hmm. feed and the algorithm and, and, and compare music and the timestamp that the, that the music was first posted versus when this person posted their post or the, the movement of the dance or any, like, like I, feel like we got the technology that could do that and do that comparison mm. easily and and go back and so it, like I said go back to the timestamp of the first time it was recorded and say I think this person might have originated that and 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 you know something I, but I feel like still, we got the technology to do something they'll they'll do that for for argument's sake they could go through and actually do that but the Tonight Show and the Jimmy Fallon's and the, right. the all these people, they're still going to say, they're gonna uh, we bringing this person on because That's they've right. got 14, 15, 200 million That's followers right. and That's they right. are the aesthetic that people are looking for to bring on these That's popular right. platforms so they could do all that. But when it comes down to actually benefiting outside of just right. getting a couple of dollars thrown at them because right. that's the way social media works when you're getting paid. You know, when it comes down to the onus of society to decide we're going to recognize people for the art, regardless of what they looks like, history has shown right. it ain't mediocrity. <laughs> uh, 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 what is it? Not mediocrity. Meritocracy. Uh, uh, so not meritocracy yes, yes, at so all. I have watched, uh, you know, probably four or five different uh, YouTube videos uh, where people were going through and explaining how this works and, and how they're using it. And it's going to help. Um, it, it is, it's, it's going to help, but I just don't think it's going to help the issue that we're having, which is what all three of us are talking about. Right. Right. Uh, right. so, right. so, you know, so here's where it is kind of cool. So I don't know if you guys have been noticing, but Serena Williams for like the last probably four, five, six months, 
she has just been, I'm just going to show Earth how glamorous I am. And she has been doing all these different photo shoots for like all of her different brands and this and that and the other. And she is like kind of out everywhere where I could see this working is that, well, you see Serena Williams and, you know, she's got on this gown or whatever. She's, you know, on the beach and she got a swimsuit, whatever she has on. But there she's got professional photographers who are taking these pictures, uh, you know, um, of her. If she can now go and tag them uh, more easily to where now that photographer is going to get some shine. That actually is something that is and going if, to if, work. If, if um, Beyonce wears a black owned brand and can tag the brand. And exactly. Designer and the thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I absolutely see that as a benefit, not to just, you know, um, marginal, as I said, marginalized creators, uh, you know, black folks, uh, brown folks, uh, but to everybody that, that, that is something that I think everybody can benefit from that. Um, but I just, you know, just wanted to kind of put it out here. It's like the way they kind of present it is like, oh, this is to attack this issue that we're having. Well, and they, it's like, they put it yeah. out as like a solution and no. it's not necessarily mm. a solution because society is what society is. And we still live in America. Right. But like, so. I, said, I just like, I, I, I like to be clear on this is that yes, right. it will be better, Listen, but we're going to support these sisters. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. So they're going to keep iterating on this idea. And eventually, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, it's drawing more awareness. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they got, press for this it's it's a new feature so like the more awareness we can continue to raise and and continue to you know show that black creators are not getting what they deserve because the article said something like there's a 29 percent pay gap between what white creators make and what any creator of color not just black creators any creator of color makes so almost a 30 percent differential in the pay um for influencers so you know that that's on the brands we need the brands to do better you know and 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 hopefully if this is something that gets that conversation moving again you know i'm all for it yeah so uh terrence uh i know you were on uh daily tech news show last week talking mm-hmm. about some of the new mac stuff so um i want to jump right into that can you tell us a little bit about the the new m1 ultra processor the uh studio uh what is the thing called the uh the mac, mac studio. studio i guess it's mac studio i like to call it the big mac i don't know who i saw that from but that was perfect <laughs> for it and then they have that new uh that new display as well so can you tell us a little bit about all that yeah, Apple uh, announced a new chip. They announced a new. Mac <laughs> I knew you was gonna say display. it. I knew you was gonna say it. Just like that. <laughs> well, so I, I'm not a I'm not a geek. I'm not a st- uh, um, what's the word? I'm not a, a features and specs geek. So I don't go through and say how many well, teraflops and how many uh, nits of heat and all these things. But I, what I can tell you is Apple did announce uh, did had an announcement last Tuesday. Um, and as, um, traditionally, Ma- uh, Apple goes through and launches new Macs around this time. So a lot of people have been clamoring for a Mac mini or a desktop that has a upgrade from the M1. And they actually did that. So they announced a studio Mac. And the reason why they call it a studio Mac is because it has all these new features, all these extra specs that are geared towards creatives but doesn't come with the tremendous, stupendous price tag or the age of the previous, I guess you would, the people call it the trash can Mac Pro. Yeah, the cheese crater. Yeah, 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 right, right. <laughs> so they have something a little bit less expensive, but it's still a step up from the Mac Mini with the 
I call it the first generation M1. And what they've done is they've created a new chip, which basically just smashes two of the Listen, M1 Max processors I together. I was impressed. <laughs> like, I don't I don't necessarily always get into the weeds of the numbers either. But mm-hmm. when they threw that M1 Ultra up on the screen, I was mm-hmm. like, Ooh. like, I audibly gasped when I right. saw that chip. I was like, yo, right. this is so, 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 so the one, high end, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the reasons we do this show is so that I can get my personal technology questions answered by one of you two. So mm-hmm. that being said, you, um, I think I've mentioned it on the show before. I want to get, uh, a Mac mini. Um, the reason mm-hmm. for getting the Mac mini is because I want to run Ecamm live, uh, which is a Mac only, uh, piece of software that allows you to do some live streaming stuff. And it's just like, it looks really, really, really cool compared to, uh, you know, OBS can do much of the stuff, but it's, you know, you, you have to, you know, literally read a ton of manuals to figure it out. And then when and you start looking at piecemeal going yeah, on, a lot of piecemeal, a lot, a lot of OBS. plugins and stuff like that. Right, you don't really right. get support. There's no one to call if something breaks. And then when you start looking at like, uh, like VMix and some of the other, you know, the windows, uh, streaming, they're either ridiculously expensive or the feature set for what you pay for Ecamm just doesn't stack up. So I'm, I've been saying I'm going to get a box, you know, and it might be the gateway drug for me to get back into using Max for more than just this one thing. But right now it is a utilitarian device. I want it so I can run Ecamm live. Not much else will be used on it, at least not day one. Is there right. people are saying, oh, you probably want to go ahead and and get like the low end of one of these new joints. Is that the truth or should I be good with like a nice refurbished M1 with a uh, half a terabyte and uh, 16 gigs? That's what I'm looking so, for. So uh, I ain't going to tell you how to spend your money. <laughs> if you want to spend money and you want the newest thing out, definitely get the Mac studio. But if you are um, results based, I want to buy this just to do this. This will be overkill because it sounds like all you want to do is run a pod, run for perfect example, run, run our podcast, maybe Mm -hmm. run any, maybe another podcast or two. Uh, this is definitely overkill. Uh, but at the same time, if you see yourself growing to where I've, I've heard you talk about to where you may want to offer, um, podcast creation, video editing, video creation services. This is something that you can get this Mac studio and actually grow into anything that you would ever want to do. But if you have a specific use case at the base, this Mac, this Mac studio is 19, $2,000. That's what, yeah. yes, that's for the low end one. Uh, right. If you're trying to get the one with the the thing that Stephanie talked about with the M1 Ultra chip that mashes two M1 Max to, uh, Max that chip M1 together, that M1 Max is is pretty is sufficient though. Mm-hmm. I don't I, like I mm-hmm. I don't even know who needs that M1 Ultra. Honestly, they talked about you know ten different 8K streams mm-hmm. going at once and different mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. no one's ever gonna. Well, I right. won't say ever, but. Not no normal person like you got to be working in that space specifically right. to really right. take advantage of that. So I feel like an M uh the the mini with mm-hmm. an M1 maybe if you can get an M1 Max in the mini mm-hmm. that could be enough. But then again, I liked all the ports the right. Max Studio mm-hmm. had. That mm-hmm. was that mm-hmm. was a game changer too. Yeah, it has all the ports. It has it's taller. 
uh, so it can handle heat better. So it's like mm-hmm. virtually soundless if you're doing a whole lot of processing, if you're doing a lot of uh, development, development, doing a lot of number crunch and things of that nature. You won't get that. You won't hear that fan spooling up because it has the all the new features when it comes to heat uh, uh transfer you know diffusion and all the things that, all, yeah, yeah. right 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 so like i said if you're looking to spend some money you got a burning a hole in your pocket like you mentioned rob <laughs> go ahead spend that two grand because <laughs> like what, what, but there are some other options out there now to get it completely maxed out it's like 10 grand right yeah, and if you're going to do that, like you like might as well go ahead and get the new display. That's another, what, 1600 for the, well, I, so I they put an iPhone inside of the monitor. Is that essentially with the iPhone well, processor they, rather? The, A, yeah. the A15 chip is in the monitor. Yeah. Which is the same chip that's in like the, I, the iPhone 13, I think, yeah. or the 12, the, thir- the, the 13, the 13. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So all it it's needs dope. is a touchscreen. And some Wi-Fi capabilities, and you got a, and you got your own computer, right? Right, and you got your own phone, right, in the computer, right? Giant so, like that, you mentioned, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, like I see, I don't think you need the the eight thousand dollar one, but the but the studio would make you upgrade proof. So, and like you wouldn't need to get another one ever if you mm-hmm. got the studio, even with the M1 Max as opposed to the M1 Ultra. If you got the studio, I, this is my personal opinion. Um, I don't think you would ever need another another one. You so, know, with the mini, you might be like, and eh, now I got to buy all these peripherals because it doesn't have as many ports, and I need this dongle and that dongle, and I need this and I and I got this strip that connects all these USB Cs and everything. Like you, you might start to feel constrained with that mini, but so, the, but the studio would get you what you Here's need. the last thing I will say on it. So one of the other reasons for wanting the mini is because I am kind of cheap. I, I just don't want to spend two grand if I could spend seven, 800. Keep it a hundred. Uh, I, yeah, I ain't going to front. Um, but also I'm sitting here and Stephanie, you feel my pain on this. I got like a $3,400 Dell XPS sitting right in front of me right now. This thing okay. is still got two years left on its life. Um, so I don't need to replace it yet. It is it is doing everything that I needed to do perfectly fine. I don't like to carry it because this joint is heavy. But other than that, it is doing what I needed to do. So I don't need to replace this with another, you know, twenty five hundred, three thousand dollar machine. Right. And I've got two of them because, um, like I said, it's like, you know, a, a new Mac for me might be a gateway drug, but it might not be. I might just say, oh, yeah, this is really great for doing this, um, you know. I, I am not anti Apple by any stretch of the imagination. I just like, you know, um, PCs. It's just kind of, you know, you keep, you keep saying that I'm going to tend to believe otherwise. Rob. Um, well, no, I started off on that. You know, my first three laptops were power books. Um, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I was a Mac person, but then, you know, finances dictated circumstances like, okay, wait a minute. This costs 1200. This costs 3200 and they do it roughly the same thing. That's, but I can say that since the M1s have come out, that is kind of changed. I mean, it's, it's actually been changing, you know, for years, even before the M1 came out. But, uh, you know, back in the day, you were going to pay a premium to have a Mac as compared to what I could build myself. Um, and I'm just not, you know, I'm not about that life anymore. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync 
things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, so... Um, as I said, we do have a guest that we want to bring on. Um, before I actually click and bring him over, though, you know, we, we probably should talk about this last story very briefly as we're bringing our guest in, because it's not really a tech story, but it's going to you'll see how this is related. But President mm-hmm. Obama um, announced yesterday that he has covid and uh, he, he is, uh, you know, vaccinated and boosted. Um, I would imagine that he is doing relatively, uh, safe things to not try to catch this, uh, you know, disease, but one of the most recognizable people on planet earth has, you know, has, has caught this, uh, as, as millions of others, you know, here in the United States, hundreds of thousands of others, uh, you know, um, you know, that have actually, you know, succumbed to it. Um, so we're going to talk about vaccines. And so let me go ahead and bring our guest on, Stephanie. I'm going to let you Hopefully go ahead and do the introduction. Hopefully our forever first lady is, has tested negative. So I will throw that out there. Michelle Shelio is, has tested negative. So good. that's, that's good. Um, and, and overall, um, the numbers are trending down. I just looked at the CDC's webpage today before we got on air and the numbers for cases, Deaths and hospitalizations are going down. And the CDC is reporting that 81.5% of people age five or older have gotten at least one dose of the vaccine. So, you know, all of that is, is, is encouraging. However, you know, I think there are still far too many people out there. And this is not a judgment, um, you know, against anybody that has chosen not to get vaccinated for whatever reason. But but we you know, we want to put information out there. We just want to get the data and the information to as many people as possible. Um, and, and hopefully maybe this helps you, you know, make a decision one way or the other. And we just want to talk about the idea of vaccines in general, you know, the COVID vaccine specifically. Um, and we have somebody who is uniquely qualified to do that on the show with us. Today, Gary Jonas is a pharmaceutical consultant for viral vaccines and advanced therapeutic medicines for Sequoia Consulting Group LLC. We are happy to have you here, Gary. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the show this evening. And I have to tell the story, obviously. I I met Gary on a plane literally a week ago. Uh, We were sitting next to each other on a plane coming from Atlanta back to uh, Philadelphia and just started, struck up a conversation. We we were playing a little, the little games on the back of the headset um, and we're just chopping it up and, and found that we had this, this commonality in STEM. And, and Gary works specifically with vaccines and, and different things like that. So I just thought it would be a really good opportunity for us to get some information out there, you know, straight from a source, basically. So, so Gary, I got, I got a couple of questions I want to, I want to hit you with right up front, um, just so we can get those out sure. the way. Is the government putting microchips in the vaccine 
and tracking <laughs> us. No, no, I, I, I can say we're not doing that. Okay, just, 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 just wanted to make sure. So, on the record, you know, from, from from his mouth to our listeners' ears, there are no microchips in the vaccines that are tracking you. <laughs> no, 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 no microchips. <laughs> no. So, Gary, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, who you are, uh, what you do. Um, like I, I was just reading through your bio and, you know, we talk a lot about computers, uh, you know, on this show and, and, and right. technology. But, you know, when you're talking about technology, it's not just dealing with computers every day. It's not, you know, you know, STEM is, you know, you know, what does that stand for? Is, you know, science, technology, engineering and math. I mean, there's a lot of different things that uh, fall under STEM. So you are as big a tech head, I think, as we are. But your domain is a little different than where we actually sit. So why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing in your world? Sure, definitely. Um, I've been working in the viral vaccine manufacturing industry for about t- 15 years now. Wow, it's been a, it's been a while. But uh, I primarily work throughout the vaccine manufacturing process as well as the uh, research and R&D phase to help get the vaccine to market, basically. Um, how would we scale up production? How do we use the equipment uh, needed to produce vaccines? as well as some of the computing aspects of it as well with regard to genetic sequencing. So that's kind of the link there with regard to you guys in tech. Uh, tech plays a huge role in the advancements that we've seen recently in uh, making uh, uh, vaccines. So let's go back a little bit because you were heavily involved in um, swine, the swine flu. I can remember yeah. when that came out and, yeah. you know, uh, it, it, I felt like America sort of dodged that bullet, but I remember, you know, that was the first time I remember seeing, you know, people in other countries wearing masks in public and, and it was like a kind of a big deal. And, you know, the swine flu was everywhere and how do you avoid the swine flu and this and that and the third. So, um, but you were sort of instrumental in that vaccine process. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Um, again, I think one of the innovations that we're seeing in our industry in terms of um, viral vaccine manufacturing um, is cooperation between private and governmental institutes like the uh, National Institute of Health, the NIH. Uh, so around the pandemic time for the swine flu, uh, a lot of partnerships were formed between the government and private institutions to basically speed up the developmental stage of actually getting uh, uh, vaccines to market there. Typically, it would take anywhere from 10 to 15 years historically to get a vaccine to market, um, going through about eight different developmental stages leading up to clinical trials. But with partnerships between the government as well as uh, educational private institutions as well, um, we've been able to speed speed this process up. So how, did, how long did that take for, for the swine flu then? If, if that was an accelerated process, how long did it take for that? So uh, uh, it, it varies because uh, with regard to the swine flu, as we're going to start seeing again with the uh, with the uh, coronavirus vaccine, we're probably going to need to get uh, booster shots or uh, vaccines almost every year. It seems with regard to just staying ahead of the curve because the, the virus mutates every year. So uh, with what we do, we would basically understand the genetic makeup through genetic sequencing of the virus itself to help basically combat the spread of the, uh, the virus. So real quick to piggyback off sure. of that uh, thought process, in your opinion, whether it be personal or professional, do you feel like 
Or do you believe that the reason why we may need to get boosters or regularly vaccinated once a year or on a regular basis, whatever that is, do you feel that is just due to the nature of the beast, i.e. COVID-19, the coronavirus and the strains? Or could the us as humans have done a better job in keeping the virus numbers low uh, whatever that looked like, you know, staying locked down more, uh, more people getting vaccinated sooner, whatever that looks like. Do you believe that the reason why we'll need vaccines more regularly, specifically with COVID, is it due to just how COVID is or is it something that we did or did not do? And now as a result, we now have to take regular. You feel like we have to take this on a regular basis. Right, right. Um, COVID vaccine is the COVID virus itself is something that we've kind of had an idea about with regard to uh, previous pandemics with regard to SARS, the severe acute um, respiratory syndrome and MERS. So we kind of had an understanding of like the genetic makeup of the coronavirus itself, basically how the, I know you've probably seen the pictures of the, the protein, the spike proteins that protrude from the coronavirus. If you can think of this kind of as a key to gain access to your cell and infect your cell and then replicate itself, uh, these proteins mutate from time to time on, on the spike proteins on the uh, virus. And uh, to stay ahead of that curve, we would then again need to isolate these proteins and understand the mechanism so we could basically create vaccines to uh, stop the spread, i.e. kind of kind of block the, the, the spike proteins from gaining access to your cell, if that makes sense. So it sounds like each mutation is going to require a new... Right type of, of uh, or a new variation of vaccine to protect us against it. Right, right. And a lot of research is being done now, not only with regard to the coronavirus, but uh, a vac- a universal vaccine that we could just take that would basically eliminate the, the idea of having to take a, a yearly uh, vaccine to combat the new strain. So that's stuff that's in the works now that's um, going to, you know, take several more years of development and research. But the idea is to get away from having to take vaccines on an annual basis and come up with a universal vaccine that could, you know, treat us against the uh, spread of the coronavirus. So, Gary, one of the things I'd like to circle back to that you uh, mentioned, uh, you know, that we did, uh, you know, with SARS and then moving into COVID that normally it takes you know, 10 years, 15 years for us to come up with this stuff, but we actually fast tracked it and moved much further along and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of people say, I don't want that. They, you know, they're, they're shirking on the science and that's not really what fast tracking means. It's like you, you did the same amount of work. You just did the, that amount of work and it expedited amount of time. So you basically put way, 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 way more people on it than you would have had in normal circumstances. So it's not like, you know, well, it takes 400 years to get this done um, by one person. Well, you put 400 people on it so you could get it done in one year. Am, am I, am I, right. am I saying that correctly? Way to answer no, the question right for him, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the, uh, no, that's the correct mindset. Uh, we, we've partnered up with a, a government institutions, um, private institutions as like, like universities as well as, uh, drug companies to fast track a lot of the research needed. And, um, countries played instrumental parts in terms of, uh, doing the, the phase three clinical trials where basically you would progressively increase with regard to the population or participant side in your, uh, clinical trials to make sure you could account for all the different types of uh, efficacy with regard to transmission, incubation, and um, underlying health concerns. So 
yeah, we've, uh, we've been able to streamline these processes greatly. And I think what you guys will be signing again, I'm, I'm mentioning is the, uh, whole aspect with regard to, uh, uh, computing. Computing power has helped us greatly increase how we could basically ge- uh, get the genetic information needed to make uh, uh, vaccines to combat viruses. So that helps a lot. That makes a lot of sense. So for anybody out there who said, I ain't taking it because they did it too quick. It was one, it was one minute we didn't have a vaccine. The next minute vaccines take 30 years to develop. And, and there was a time when maybe they used to back when we didn't right. have supercomputers, back when we didn't have M1 ultra chips that, <laughs> that had 20 cores on them and could do calculations, you know, in, in less than a, a fraction of a second. So. Yes, maybe things took longer at one point, but when you bring together every single, you know, government and scientific entity in the world to work on this problem at one time, you know, it tends to get solved a little bit quicker. So, you know, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to, to bring you on here, just to just dead the idea that it was done too quickly. You know what I mean? Right. I, I it, like I heard that a lot from from people I knew personally that didn't take the vaccine. They they did they did it too quick. They just put it out too quick. It, right. it ain't ready. It couldn't have been ready. You know. But it's like you know, and, and it's hard explaining to somebody you know in in layman's terms, if you will, why that's not necessarily the case. Or without the tools or the resources ourselves to explain that to somebody, because right. I can tell you all day long. Well, they threw more money at it. They threw more people at it. But me tell saying it like that. They're like, ah, whatever. They ain't trying to hear that. Right. Right. So being able to have the resources, the knowledge, you know, and it being just more commonplace, you know, to say, okay, we can attribute more resources because this was a global epidemic makes things a little bit differently. A little different. A little different. Can you talk a little bit about, I don't know if this is your specific area of expertise, but there's also, you know, a lot of, um, um, conjecture and questioning around the delivery mechanism for, the the covid vaccine i guess the the whole mrna and i i don't claim to know a whole lot about it per se but can you talk a little bit about what that delivery mechanism is and what what makes it so effective well with regard to the genetic makeup and the delivery method i i guess we were speaking in terms of how the actual vaccine uh combats or stops the actual uh spike proteins to gain access into your cells so mm-hmm. the way that works is the proteins that we developed during uh, the research phase basically create the immune response that your body would need to basically block that from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to get into kind of like the the, the vaccine well, shot I'm, itself, I'm thinking about because it was like the whole, you know, when, when you talk about RNA, mRNA, people right, think, oh, right. it's changing my genetic code and it's changing oh, no, my no. DNA and, and what is it doing with, you know, what it's right. going into my chromosomes and whatnot. Like, so what is actually yeah. happening in that process? So the, so the mRNA is actually the, the genetic information that we need to basically make copies of the actual virus itself. So mm-hmm. the vaccine basically is a version of the virus that basically allows your body to have an immune response without having the symptoms, say, of like the cold or flu virus, right. flu uh, uh, symptoms. So your body has immune responses, i.e. it releases the mechanisms needed to combat this. And then your body remembers after you get the, the, the vaccine to combat this version of the flu. But at, again, the flu mutates every year, so you would need uh, otherwise a booster or another shot 
to basically have the latest uh, protection against the, the, the variant that's out. So this vaccine is not actually changing anybody's no. DNA. Can we go no, on record no. and say that? <laughs> it's not changing our DNA. Okay, good. <laughs> so, so here's a question. A, a lot of folks, they're not getting it simply because they're afraid of needles. I mean, the, the, you yeah. know, I, I've actually heard people say, uh, I, I'd, I'd rather stay in the house forever than get stuck with a needle. Um, do you see uh, a time when maybe you, you know, we can have this uh, vaccine delivered maybe through like a nasal spray or, or something like that or a pill that you take where, you you know, it's just not a needle? Because, I mean, there are probably millions of people that their reason for not getting it is because they do not want to get a shot. Right, right. No, I understand. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of companies, uh, um, AstraZeneca being one of them, that um, has an intranasal flu vaccine shot that they give for children. Um, this is very helpful if you're afraid of measles, uh, needles. Adults could take this as well. But with regard to delivery mechanism, intra- intramuscular shots are one of the fastest ways we could get a vaccine into your bloodstream to get it working right away. Um, there are some um, risks posed with other uh, delivery methods in terms of how we um, get the, the, the vaccine to you. But uh, the intramuscular shot is probably going to be one of the quickest ways to get that that immunity that you need. But there's there's a, a lot of different uh other uh, delivery methods mm-hmm. out there on the market again like the intranasal flu vaccine well no i like i said i just asked that question because i was having a conversation with someone um and she actually you know you know enough family has broken her down and, and convinced her that she needed to go uh and get these shots but initially it was like i, I don't like needles and she doesn't she she has a fear of needles however she probably has in each ear about three or four piercings. It's like, so you can get that, but you can't get a vaccine. And it's like, and you know, you, you can't tell someone what a shot's going to feel like, you know. She probably got tattoos too, don't she? <laughs> yes, <laughs> she does. But, uh, but it's like, no, it, it, it. You know, if you're like super tense and you go in and you like, you got your, you know, you're literally trying to flex when you get it in. You're trying to keep the meat, the needle from going in. Well, yeah, you might get a little bit more sore from it. But it's like, you know, the, right. the needle going in, if you don't pay a digit to it, you almost don't even notice it's totally that is that yeah, quick. Yeah, you really yeah. don't even feel it. So I typically try to take a deep breath and then, you know, release and you won't even know it's happening. Got to treat them like kids. Give them go for a sticker afterwards. Right. <laughs> so can we talk about um, side effects? You know, a lot of people have been having. I won't even say a lot. I just think the anecdotal stories around the side effects have also been used as as rationale for not taking it. Um, can we can we talk a little bit about? how often a side effect to a vaccine is expected normally, um, you know, sure. in your, in your travels and in your, in your research and your, your prior, prior work, you know, I, I have to imagine this is something that is obviously, you know, going to happen, but, but how likely to happen and, and, and what, what can you tell us about side effects? Sure. So um, again, like in the three trial phases, which progressively get larger with regard to participants, we tend to monitor different side effects that participants may um, experience. Um, these side effects could be breaking down in, into different age group underlying health conditions that you may have. And as the population size of the participants increase with regard to the different phases, we can kind of get a good understanding of who the vaccine would be safe for, who or what type of side effects you could experience if you're elderly or if you're very young. Um, 
with regard to post-clinical uh, trials, uh, the FDA, as well as other regulatory bodies, continue to monitor the vaccine effectiveness in the uh, real world so we can uh, combat if we need to tweak the, the vaccines, if we need to put out additional, hey, if you have asthma, you might not want to take it. If you have these type of underlying health conditions, you might want to consult with your doctor prior to taking the vaccine. But this is something that is continually monitored throughout the life cycle of the vaccine itself in terms of monitoring side effects and making sure that we report them. And, 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 but it, but it, a side effect, a potential side effect is, did we lose Gary? <laughs> Look like he pressed the screen. Oh, there we go. go. Yeah. There we go. You're back. We lost you for a minute. But, but the idea that there is potential for side effects is just a normal part of the vaccine process. Is, is that a, is that a fair statement? No, side effects are inevitable with any drug or um, foreign entity that you put into your body. It, it's all about being able to monitor and understand why those side effects are, are happening so we can better tailor medications out for the uh, general public. Yeah, no, what I was going to say is maybe a lot of people in recent years, I don't know if this comes a result of people suing pharmaceutical or drug makers to where now they have to post all of the remotely minute new yeah side effects include big toe uh, (laughs) sweaty underarms you know receding (laughs) hairline you know so it's almost like i think they we've we've heard those all those side effects being read and just drugs and pharmaceuticals and then something like boom covid hits and people mention okay well side effects could include this and that and this and the other and then they just blow that up to be the the that's what you're going to get if you do. Um, losing Gary. I think we might. So, yeah, Gary, Gary's having right. technical issues. So yeah, we, we will uh, go ahead and uh, we're, we're actually at the, you know, close to the top of our hour. Um, I'll try. Well, I was going to ask him and I guess you I guess what well, I'll ask you all. How do y'all feel the CDC has handled, especially now that the numbers are going down? So now the argument is masks. Do we alleviate mass restrictions? Do we ease man mandate restrictions? Is it certain mandate restriction, mass restrictions for certain places, certain events, certain things? How do you feel the CDC overall has handled the communication of when, how, where to wear masks from jump until now? I'm going to give them. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give him a, you know, like a 83. You know, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give him a, it, it's not a B minus. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give them the lowest possible B that you can get without being a B minus because, um, you know, he, here's one of the things that I do know that these are scientists when they have data that contradicts something that they've said earlier, they will, you know, they will, they will make a change. So you hear things about like, uh, you know, when, when this thing first was starting, um, we were all wearing, uh, the cloth mask. Well, the cloth masks were not meant to protect you. They were meant to protect other people, basically keeping, you know, what you are spitting out of your mouth. Stephanie. Exactly. From getting to someone else. Um, and you know, over time they, they, they test and they, they do experiments and they figure out it's like, yeah, these are not, uh, you know, it's effective. We need to actually go to the, the N95 mask or the cane. If you're getting the ones that are coming from outside of the United States, they are much uh, better at protecting you from, uh, you know, from getting things. So, 
I don't see that as well. See, they were wrong. They didn't know what they were talking. About. I was like, no, they they told you what the case was. Then science changed, and and, and they changed that. That's that's how the scientific method works. So, but but and that's the problem. It's like I people don't people don't know how the scientific method works. Yeah. Um, but also, I think the I don't think the CDC or or any government entity at all was prepared for people to not believe them. You know what I mean? I think, you know, we have a global pandemic. We have these things in place that we can use to fight. And, and, and I think they expected, I don't, I think there was a, 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 a ginormous underestimation of the power of misinformation Uh on the internet. I I just don't think anybody was prepared for how much nonsense was going to flood the market basically to the point where people aren't going to believe somebody with a PhD or somebody right. with an MD or somebody with the actual skill set and knowledge and talent and experience that knows what they're doing, but you won't believe the dude in his basement that, you know, <laughs> read two articles and, and got some stuff off the dark web. So, right. you know, in that respect, I feel like I, I don't know how the CDC could have been prepared for that. But I feel like there should have been better preparation um, in arming the general public yeah. Yeah. Right. with right. information right. to combat everything we got off the off the internet because it, it was a mess and and it, and and it did just start to send all these conflicting signals and and messaging and everything else. That would be a good question for you, Gary. What? How would you have approached the messaging around this vaccine to to to? convince people that it was safe and that it was something that was necessary and was going to protect their health. Like, like, I mean, I, I, you know, I guess they did everything they could, but I feel like there was, I don't know, we could have been better prepared to, to go up against all the stuff we saw online. Right. No, I agree. Um, there was a lot of misinformation out there and even still, um, it's kind of tough to say what preventative measures we could have taken. Um, with the advent of social media and everybody yeah. almost having a platform these days to speak on matters and be experts, um, it's kind of hard to say how the government could have went about uh, uh, putting out um, topics out there to dispel some of the rumors. But I think, um, you know, constantly communicating with the public, um, having the CDC spokesperson come out and give uh, updates uh, more frequently than we uh, were, were, were seeing in the past to kind of dispel some of the uh, conjecture out there with regard to, you know, getting rid of uh, kitchen table uh, scientists. So, yeah. 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 I mean, social media, uh, the internet, YouTube is a powerful thing. So maybe the next thing that comes along, which, you know, heaven forbid something else comes along, uh, maybe this serves as a um, case study yeah. for, Government entities to like y'all really going to put some money in the social media budget. Yeah, y'all got to y'all going on a, y'all yeah. and ABC and going on CNN and just having this weekly or uh, discussion. No, y'all need to flood the internet the same flood way as mis- misinformation <laughs> right. floods the internet. And we we definitely are in yeah. a different time. You know, you know, I mean, ten years ago in the history of the world, it's not a long time. Ten years ago, no one would have ever believed Earl down at the lodge that was experimenting with like his horse, you know, you know, drugs for his horses over the card carrying member of Mensa who runs the CDC. Right. 
no one is like, uh, yeah, I want to go with the person with the three or four PhDs and has been doing this for 35, 40 years. Um, I'm going to listen but, to the person that drank some bleach. <laughs> <That's laughs> exactly. So, so that, but, that is, but, that is different that, you know, that, that is, right. that is very different. Yeah. Were you going to say parents? No, I was going to say, but you know, things change with time. I mean, are you going to be, you know, is the government going to really try to combat this using old school? Or are they going to step their game up? Because yeah. people, oh boy, you know, at the lodge has stepped his game up. He's got social <laughs> right. media channel. He's got a YouTube. He's got a weekly podcast. A hundred million dollars from Spotify. <laughs> That's right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, Rob. So I would, I would just want to finish here. Um, uh, uh, Gary, with what would you say to anyone sure. who still had hesitancy or doubts or fears or, or, or anything or like, what would be, what are you saying to your family members, you know, to, to help them make a decision that could potentially save their lives? Like, what are you, what are you saying to people? Sure. So I have two elderly parents as well as a lot of young nieces and nephews. Um, what I tell them is to definitely consult with your doctors, especially if you have any underlying health conditions that may pose a risk to the vaccine itself. Uh, but you know, just, just picking up the, uh, uh, the phone and calling your doctor is, is never hurts. And I think doctors are pretty well qualified to, uh, to speak on, on, on your vaccine regime as opposed to, a. Uh, uh, someone on in the kitchen giving you advice about something that they heard on the internet. So, so if you're still wondering, if you're still yeah. on the fence, call your doctor. Call your doctor. Um, call your doctor. Go, go go by the yep. clinic. Uh, That's it. Because my gut tells me that if you stop listening to the one or two or three or four doctors that you can find on the internet that are just saying some crazy stuff. If you actually just go talk to your doctor who's going to see you, you might get a different you, you might get a different story. And who has treated you for years and you know, just wants your your best health, you know, yeah. as their in their their best yeah. interest is your health. So yeah. and you know, I, I am all, all for getting yeah. second opinions and get a third opinion. But when you start looking for confirmation bias, that's something different. Right. You know, when you just yeah. I want to find a doctor who's going to agree that I shouldn't do this. That's not how you should really go into it. So definitely, definitely. Well, Gary, we thank you. We appreciate your expertise. We hope um, that we were able not necessarily even to change minds. I don't I don't think that's what we were trying to do here, but just educate more people um, so that they can make the best decision for them and their families as well. Cause this is not just about, <clears throat> I think that's a big part of the, what, how this got out of control is that everybody looked at it as an individual issue. And this is a collective issue. This is, this is all of us here, you know, trying right. to stay alive, literally trying to stay alive. So, you know, the information you gave us tonight was, was super, super helpful. Um, and we thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. So, folks, we are at the top of our hour. And as we always do at the end of our show, we want to give a shout out to our new patrons. So we uh, didn't have any new patrons last week, but the streak broke it one week. We do have a new one this week. So get the family hook up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give a big shout out to Asia Sims, who Ashia. is Ashia. Yes, okay. Ashia. Ashia. Yeah. Okay. Ashia Sims, who is now She's supporting. She's actually us. my sister in law. Oh, okay. So you, you get the whole family. 
Listen, Literally. we all we all coming. We bringing everybody with us too. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? Um, I, you, you making me feel better. I got to go get some more of my family to get in here. <laughs> Come on, it's anyway. two dollars. It's, it's five dollars. Like help us with that. Yeah, but anyone else who uh, who would like to uh, support uh, the Tech John, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Tech John. That is the Tech J A W N, and we've got multiple tiers over there. All of those tiers get you access to our live stream and our after party that we're about to get into right now so gary can you we'll, we'll let you start can you tell everyone who was watching who was listening how they can get at you how they can contact you if they had any questions or anything like that you know just give us your online areas that you might hang out sure um i could be reached via my linkedin page uh i have my information there my email as well as phone number if you want to call me no nah, people don't don't call Send an email. <laughs> this is, this is the internet. No, 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 no. We we we're not gonna have that happen to you. We gonna have people email you. Reach out on LinkedIn. Don't don't call. Don't don't call, bro. He he he's got important work. He does not need to be taking personal calls from the internet. Um, Stephanie. You can find me all around the web at Tech Life Steph. Oh, and shout out. Uh, my TEDx made it to the main TEDx YouTube channel page. So you can go there and check it out. There were already like almost a hundred views when I went and looked at it and it like literally just got posted. So, um, for anybody that was, was looking for the TEDx, I'll, I'll make sure I send Rob the link, um, so we can get it into the show notes. But the TEDx is live, son. Uh, you can find me everywhere on the internet at Brother Tech. Uh, also, uh, I was on DTNS Daily Tech News Show last week talking more about the Apple announcement. So if you want to get more information about all the additional things that Apple announced last week, definitely reach me at, uh, uh, check us out last week on uh, Daily Tech News Show. Oh. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And also we are at the Tech John on all the things. So come check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on, uh, I think we're going to even start doing TikTok eventually. Um, not, not yet, but we probably are going to start putting some clips out there. So, um, that's how you can check us out. And guys, until we meet again next week. Peace. Peace. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 